Pete Yost here for the Unbuild It podcast with a word about our sponsor, Huber Engineered Woods. There are really three reasons why I think Huber Engineered Woods stands out, and it's a big part of why they're a sponsor of our Unbuild It podcast. First, they develop systems of products. The products are compatible and integrated. Makes our jobs a lot more easy in the field and when specifying. Second is superior tech support. There are really good website resources that they have developed for the application of their products, but they also have an outstanding uh, 800 number tech team that really knows their stuff. And the last is a really active technical research and development team with whom I've done a lot of work over the years and I have a lot of faith in the information I get from them when I have questions about product performance. So that's it. That's our high performance sponsor. Now onto the podcast. I'm Jake Bruton, and today on the Unbuild It podcast, I'm joined by three other builders that I respect, and we're going to talk about business. Let's jump right into the conversation now. My biggest aha moment as a builder was I actually had a subcontractor who's very successful say, you need a money guy, you need an attorney, and you need an accountant. And I thought, oh, I don't have any of those things. <laughs> Maybe that's why I've been losing money and not making any progress moving forward. Uh, and that's why I don't have a contract that people can work with me on. And I immediately noticed all the lessons that were associated with that. I, was, I lost a ton of money on a job because I didn't have signed change orders and the clients pretended as if they didn't exist. Uh, and so I didn't have a good contract. And I didn't have an accountant that was saying, this is how much you need to be setting aside. This is what you need to be paying. This is how your year should progress and what to expect. And like, I lost a ton of money. And then I also had a tax bill at the same time because I, I didn't, I wasn't running my business as a business. What about you? For me, my biggest aha moment, um, it's pretty simple actually, I was thinking about this, was um, learning to say no and not take absolutely everything, phone calls, inquiries, all that sort of stuff, and the ability to say no to projects, um, I don't know, was a huge aha moment for me for sure. So yeah. realizing that not absolutely every project came through the door was for you, and maybe you probably didn't want every project that came through the door? That's right. Yeah. Learning that, I don't know, that was a big, yeah, big deal for me. Do you have a set set criteria now that you use or is it just kind of like a rough idea it's definitely a rough idea i do not have a set criteria um jackson and i were talking this morning and it was like you know we uh, you know it's a phone call it's learning about budget it's learning about relationship it's learning about their ability to you know really invest in us um and it's really a two-way street and um it's 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 definitely more involved than it used to be um but yeah it's uh yeah so if I, if I, as a potential client, call your office, what is, the, what is the first step in your process? Hey, Luke, I want you to build me a house. Where, where do we start? Yeah, first of all, where are you in the process? You know, do you have land? Um, have you, uh, do you have any plans? Have you hired an architect? Have you hired an engineer? How far are you in the steps to building your home? Uh, um, you know, and then I learn about that, and then we start talking about budget pretty quick. You know, it's, it's an ease into conversation. It's not, Hey, what's your budget? 
it's more, you know, let's get to know them a little bit. And then if they've got a good budget, you know, then it's, let's take the next step to either uh, meet them on site, you know, a piece of land that they're looking for, or they'll come to the office, start to develop that relationship. Um, because building a home for somebody, you know, what we do is it's a long-term relationship and we've got to like each other. That was the biggest thing I say, you know, budget is one thing. Another builder, if you're going to find another builder and look at their pricing, you've got to like the person you're hiring because it could be a two to three year process and you've really got to like one another. So, yeah, we've had a, a couple projects come to our office through an architect and they'll say like, here's, Here's a set of, set of plans. Here's the scope of work. Here's the timeline. Can you give us a price? Yeah. And I'll say, I need to meet with the clients. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, the clients aren't here. So they're, you know, the clients are out of town. They don't want to bother coming in. Uh, can you just give us a price based off of this stuff? No, because the clients might be horrible. Totally. And I don't want to waste my time. Like, yep. I, everything has to mesh well. We talk about, um, we talk about like our ideal client is, Budget appropriate for what they want to do and value is what we bring to the table. And chances are, if you value what we bring to the table, we're going to have an easy time getting along because you have a respect for what we do, our process, our methods, what the end product can be instead of just, well, by square foot, you're more expensive than somebody else. So we'll find somebody else to work with. Uh, So do you feel that as your company uh, ages and, and expands a little bit, do you think there's a point where you get to a super specific, these are the things, here are five things that we're looking for? For sure. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not like a document or things that I have, you know, developed at this point in time, but it's, I know it. And, um, but yeah, for sure. I think there's certain criteria that people need to meet essentially, um, to either work with us and us work with them. Um, but then that leads us into, you know, Moving on to the next step, which would be like a pre-construction agreement with our clients, um, developing that relationship even further. And so that no, learning to say no, has led into the development of relationship, which then brings on the pre-construction, which would be the next step and go from there. And yeah. And that no frees you up to take on projects that are going to be more profitable or more enjoyable. That's right. And even just not distract us from the current projects that we have, because those clients have already hired us. And so the last thing we want to do is get distracted with a, a needy client or something like that, that we said yes to that we shouldn't have. And that pulls us away from, you know, the current projects that we have that we really need to focus on that the uh, current clients have, you know, trusted us with, you know, that we're currently on, if that makes sense. Shane, what is your, uh, I'm going to say no to this project criteria. I feel like I qualify projects and clients the same way you do. I actually stole your verbiage, so thank you for that. But I tell all my guys, a qualified project for us is exactly what you just stated. It's a client who values the product and service we offer. And we're trying to kind of differentiate both of those two characteristics in a number of ways. Uh, So a client that recognizes how we're building our product different and how we offer a different service and wants that and values that and is willing to pay for that uh, and has a budget that aligns to their expectations. So if, as long as we can achieve those two things and, you know, there's a, a, a relationship of trust and respect, I feel like it will be a good project regardless of the size. So those are the first two things I'm trying to tease out in those preliminary conversations. And if I start to sense that one of them's not there, it's just going to you got to off ramp sooner rather than later. It's like you're, you're trying to I guess I'm trying to, in a way, get to know as fast as possible. In a sense, uh, 
um, I had a, an old professor who uh, he taught a course like you, you hear a lot in entrepreneurial selling or in sales, uh, you know, conversations, how to get to yes, how to get a client to say, yes, I want to build with you or yes, I want to work with you. From my perspective, I'm trying to determine how do I get to know as soon as possible. I want to determine if this is a good fit or not as early as possible um, so that you're not sinking too much time into a relationship that's not going to lead anywhere. It's going to just put you in a, in, a, in a bad business position. And that, that time spent getting to know if it's drawn out, there's time just wasted in general where that doesn't come to fruition. You've invested in a project that doesn't happen. But as you mentioned, it's completely it's time that took you away from something else that you could have been making money on that you already were working on, too. So if we're developing five jobs and four of them don't happen and they are just a time suck, it would have been better if we just developed one job and been insured to make money on that one project. Completely. What about you? What is your no process like? I think it's uh, it's very similar to what we're all talking about right now. And I think uh, something that Shane, you mentioned um, in your in your your process, it also piggybacks a lot with what Luke is talking about, is getting to that. In order to get to that no, again, I'd rather get there sooner than later. But I think the the motivation for us is understanding just a mutual respect and the expectation. So we want to understand like the expectation from the client for the for the project and where they are in the process and can we can we meet that expectation in terms of are they needing us to be involved in design you know or are they just looking for a bid you know um, and, and kind of going through that process, but for me it's I want to quickly figure out I look at I focus on residential construction and so for me it's it's personal I think what we all do we are we are having very intimate conversations with our clients and I think in order to deliver a home a home not just a structure a home where people go at the end of the day um, it has to be personal and so. I got to find out, can we actually get a little intimate and can we, can we work well with these people? Um, if not, it's going to be, I, I have fear that I'm not going to be delivering a project or a home that meets the expectations at the end of the day. So I'm really looking for, do we like these people? You know, do we, do they like us? You know, do they trust us? Trust is a huge thing. And Luke, you know, you, you talked about this as well. Like we have to get, I, I have to establish trust early on. And so we are very transparent in everything we do and everything we talk about. But it, it's a, if we're not getting that transparency back, um, if a client has, if I get the sense that, you know, we're kind of a, this is just the, the contractor. Um, this is not our, our builder. This is not like who we're bringing to the team to really help facilitate and bring this project to completion, but more just a tool in the belt, then we're probably not going to be a good fit. Um, you know, we're looking for, you know, someone that is willing to come in and attend meetings and be a part of the process and share with us what they're after. Um, not just kind of a quick look at the plans. It's on the plans. Um, so we, we are trying to get to that no as quickly as possible as well. And I try to do that usually in that initial phone call of understanding the expectations when it comes to, you know, where they are in the process. Then we can quickly dive into schedule. Um, cause you know, we have limitations on what we can do like that day. If I get a phone call, and someone wants to start building tomorrow, then I can quickly say, whether even if it's a great project, like, unfortunately, I can't, I can't do it, you know, and sometimes I'll piggyback to, you know, or, or move towards that. Well, what if we wait? Okay, well, let's continue talking about that. And um, 
Then it's budget a little bit. Um, it's hard to dive super deep into that in that first phone call, but you, you can at least, I think we've all been doing this long enough to where we can at least have a sense of, you know, where our value comes in, the type of homes we build. There is a budget for that and it's at least a starting point. So I kind of have a conversation about that. And if we're still in alignment, then we'll say, let's let's sit down and talk, you know, together about this. And I'm very clear in that initial meeting, initially in the initial phone call, I kind of say it's important for us to meet so we can figure out if we like each other. Like, do we work well together? And so we're very upfront about that. And um, I think it's uh, surprising how easily it is to learn that sooner than later. You can sit down with someone and realize this is not going to be pleasant. And for me, it's this is a personal thing. And this has got to be something that we're going to enjoy doing. Because um, if not, it'll be miserable. That's been my experience yeah. with it. And if the client's not present, like involved in the first meeting, then if they're not invested in yep. the project. Yep. Um, I think one of the most important questions that I ask potential new clients in that first initial phone call is what, how do you describe success for this project? Half the time they go, oh, that's a good question. And I always say, like, I don't have to have the answer today. I don't need the answer in this phone call. But we have to have the answer to that question before we can build a house because there are hundred different goalposts here and we need to know which one's the most important so we can make sure that we nail that one. We want to nail them all, but if you say being done by May 8th is the most important thing or, you know, or being spending absolutely no more money than budget, then we know that we have to move things around to make sure that we're meeting that most important thing for you. And if they haven't thought about it yet, they should be thinking about it. So why not bring it up in the very first yeah. phone call? Shane, what's your biggest builder aha moment? I think I'd probably have to say it occurred while I was a builder, but before I started my own venture, uh, where I was building for another good local builder, uh, but I came to recognize that the industry was pretty commoditized. Uh, I saw everyone building to kind of the same legacy standard, uh, and I was going to work every day building homes um, to this legacy standard while listening to um, thought leaders in the industry, yourself, Matt Reisinger, Steve Basic, talk about the building science behind how we should build modern day homes. And it really, I, I, was, I was absorbing all this content, but not seeing any of it reflected in the construction industry around me. And that was the aha moment for me that I realized it was an actual tremendous opportunity from a business perspective, to completely differentiate and try and launch my own venture and target that kind of niche. You know, fast forward a couple of years, obviously it took a big leap of faith and it worked out. And I think the industry is trending that way, but uh, it was, from a business perspective, I'm always trying to differentiate. I think the best way to kind of defend your own territory and ground is to offer a product and service that's different from everyone else around you. Uh, as soon as you're in this competitive field where you're, you know, competing with folks that are offering the same thing as you do, it's, it's a race to the bottom in terms of price. You know, people are, people are no longer value conscious at that point. They're, they become cost conscious. Um, so I'm always trying to determine new and better ways to differentiate. Uh, and that was my biggest aha moment was that, you know, in the Southern California region, I didn't see anyone adopting products like zip system, um, you know, using, air sealing and weatherization to become, you know, build homes more energy efficient. 
Uh, and I just kind of, I, I followed in a way like the field of dreams business model, which you probably shouldn't do. Uh, but I was just like, Hey, if I, if I launch this business and I advertise that this is what I'm doing, if I build it, they will come, you know, I think people will demand this. Uh, so kind of put the cart before the horse in a way, but that was definitely my, my biggest aha moment was recognizing that there's tremendous opportunity in trying to be forward thinking and innovative. So your, your aha moment was, I'm going to be the leader in my market for, I'm going to build the best house I can. and Nobody else is trying that. For the most part, pretty okay. much. I mean, I, I just, I, I didn't see, and, and I mean, well, I think I'm probably one of the youngest builders in my market for the most part. I mean, it's an, it's an old, like legacy market. Uh, and that's, you know, I'm not trying to disparage anyone, but all of my competitors have been building for 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, the forces of the status quo in our industry are super strong. And so I think it takes a little bit more of an entrepreneurial mindset to be able to like really shift your thinking on how you're going to build and how to implement newer and better techniques. And I just, I didn't see anyone out there doing it. I injected myself into the construction industry from a completely different background. So I had a, I had a whole fresh take on what was going on and it allowed me to kind of step back and assess you know, I think there's an opportunity here to build differently. Like I said, I was I was going to work listening to Fine Hole Building podcasts, Modern Craftsman podcasts, absorbing all of this content on how we should be building homes. And I felt like I was almost building them the wrong way when I got to the job site. And I just I couldn't stand. It. I was like, I have to I have to at least give this a, a shot. Otherwise, I'll always be asking myself, what if? And so. It occurred pretty early on, but it was it was a big aha moment in my mind that uh, there's there's opportunity in trying to build better. I think another builder aha moment for me was I uh, I got to a point where I felt like I understood how to run the business and how to like keep the lights on and hire and fire and pay taxes and give proposals that were accurate and all those things. And I decided to uh, search the internet for builders that were being sued. And it was almost always water. And I was just like, okay, I need to figure out what I'm doing wrong with water. And then that led us to, like you said, zip system and then more control of the building. And then we have indoor air quality that we're concerned with. And all of a sudden we're like close to passive house and net zero. And we went from worrying about whether or not we'd been installing windows wrong for two decades to trying to completely change the industry because we felt like there was a void there in that gap between how it's been done, how it can be done, and how it should be done in the future. I say for, for me, the biggest aha moment was probably a few years ago, realizing that as the owner, I, I have choices. I, 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 I'm not forced to work with anyone. I'm not forced to work with a client. I'm not forced to hire a particular trade. Um, these are my choices. And for, I'm sure we can all probably relate when we all started our companies in the beginning, it's more of a feeling like, no, I have to, like, I have to take on work. I'm going to take this job no matter what it is. We just, we have to take on work. And in that, in that mindset, I got into some situations that frankly, looking back, none have been horrific, but there've been client, ones that I know I wouldn't repeat. And so I think for me, the last couple of years is realizing that I get to pick my clients. I get to pick my framer. I get to pick our electricians, our trades. Um, I pick my team. And, and so to really like invest in that and really own that decision um, has, you know, made a huge change for me and how our company operates. And um, I'm really more motivated by, you know, 
is this person going to be a good fit for our team holistically? Like the client, the designer, the architect, our trades, our project managers. Um, and so the moment I realized that I actually, I'm in control of my company and I will make those decisions that's best for us, uh, we've seen a huge impact um, just in the quality of, frankly, the quality of life, the type of projects that, that we take on, the interactions with our clients. We have, we have a lot of fun building and, and, it's, and it's a fun, like going to work is just fun. We've got phenomenal clients. And I couldn't say that like years ago, we had, we had, you know, pleasant clients, but there, there were times where we had, you know, you know, really we, we got taken advantage of, you know, and we got taken advantage of because I allowed it, you know, I did not choose to maybe stand firm in an agreement or I chose to, to essentially just let something happen. Whereas I've learned that, you know, and in the beginning, I kind of was like, almost woe is me. You know, it's a little bit of like, like we, this is what it is. We have to do this. And, and I'm realizing that, no, we don't, like, we don't have to do that anymore. Like we can pick, you know, we can choose what we want. Um, that has completely transformed, I think, just our, our team. Um, it transforms the way our clients, I mean, and our clients see it too. I think when a client knows that we are also, they, they choose us, but we are also choosing them. It really is a, it's a mutual respect. And, and I think that really, it, you know, it's, it creates a fun environment to work in. Our client meetings are, frankly, they're, they're blast, like they're fun. Um, and I will, ever since experiencing that, I will constantly choose, you know, make, the, you know, I'll, I'll own that choice. Um, and there've been some times I've made a choice that maybe, gosh, it, it didn't work out like I expected, but I still realize that we can still change that. Like we can still autocorrect that during the process. Um, so that's been really great for us in terms of, I'll say, choosing our clients, um, choosing our trades. Um, there have been a couple moments where we feel like maybe our market doesn't have a trade that's available. And you might feel like this is, this is who we have to use because this is the best that we have here. And, and our team has kind of rallied to say, like, we're not going to just succumb to that. If that's our best, then there's a better way to do it. Then we're going to find that way, whether we do it in-house or we're going to just take time to educate that trade and like onboard them on why we want to do this. And, um, and we just tried to say, that's what we're going to do. And, and that's, that's made a huge impact overall. Um, so I think for me, the biggest aha moment is realizing that I'm not the victim. I'm not the slave in this, you know, this company, like I, I actually own this company and I'm going to, I'm going to choose um, what makes the most sense, you know, for us as well as for our client. And sometimes that's a no, sometimes it's a, a client that really, you know, wants us to do the work, but we, you know, I can see that this is not going to be a good choice. And so I say, but it doesn't work. And like, obviously we have established companies. Uh, even, even if your company is only a couple years old, there, there are times where you're going to end up taking a project that's not exactly perfect. There are times where you're going to end up getting into one that you thought was perfect and it's not going to be perfect. It's not completely unavoidable. You do everything you can to mitigate your risk, to, to limit your exposure. You also have to understand that if you get to one of those that's not exactly perfect, it's still the job that you signed on to do. Mm -hmm. And you signed a contract with those people, even if they're not fun to work for, or the project's not going well. There is this, yeah, we're going we're gonna to still get the job done. We're still going to give you the same effort we would have if you were a great client across the board or if your job was going swimming well. And that's not to say that when you're starting out, you're also not taking things knowing that they're not exactly correct. We all have to keep the lights on. We all have taken jobs yeah. that we wish we wouldn't have taken. Uh, the one that um, comes to mind, Steve always quotes um, 
builder on the East Coast that he works with. And he's like, I can point at a handful of clients and tell you I would have been better off to give them $1,000 to go away when they first walk through my door because I would have lost less money. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Even some that I thought were going to be the perfect client. So don't think that we're talking about, you know, we all have perfect clients all the time. We're talking about um, a world where flowers bloom year-round sort of thing. I mean, I guess you get that anyway because you're in San Diego. That's true. <laughs> yep. But I think that also goes to whether it's you're a couple years in, your first year in, or you've been doing this for 10 or 20 years, like that, we ultimately are going to learn through experience. Um, and, and I think that we all kind of, for me, I, I, I learned from pain. I don't like pain. Um, so I'm going to remember choices I made or essentially indications that like, are there things that clients say that's like, oh, this might be a, I've learned, I've, I've heard this before. This is, this is something I need to kind of like be mindful of. Um, the also, the great thing is learning from, if I can learn from someone else's pain, that's fantastic. So like even be able to like collaborate and talk with people has been great. You know, I mean, if I can hear from someone, you know, learning the aha moment is like saying no sooner than later, like there's wisdom in that, you know? So I think there's a lot that we've been able to, especially the last, for me, three or four years of, you know, being able to just discuss with other builders like you all and learning through like what your aha moments are or your pain is like, I'll take, I'll appreciate you all going through that pain. And I'll learn from it so I can avoid it too. And so I think there's a lot for even like younger builders. There's a lot of wisdom out there. It's ultimately what it comes. And even our market, there are some, we've got some older builders that are really good. And they've been doing this for a long time. And I don't ever forget that. And I will, there's things I've heard them say before that I'm, you know, as I was entering into the market of like, we don't have to do it that way, you know, or there can be done. And I'm realizing that these guys, these guys have been doing this for a long time and they're actually, they're right. But I learned that through my own pain. So sometimes it's nice to, to, you know, it's a heat advice from guys that are been doing this for a while and also some new things that we're all, you know, getting, getting open to. It's, it's I learn from you guys mistakes all day long, you know? <laughs> so I, I equate what you're saying to like the way that I uh, tried to learn woodworking 15 years ago when I like started looking at stuff on YouTube mm -hmm. and watching people do woodworking online. And uh, I quickly started to learn and I realized the more I learned, the easier it was to pick up another technique and to find the nugget in something. And I think that my business has been run in the exact same way. Yeah. The, the better I get at it, the easier it is to continue to get better. The easier it is to take the nugget that, that one, of my, one of my associates says, you know, oh, well this happened and I can go, oh, I could see how that could happen in my business real quick. Yeah. So it's easier to apply the longer you're in the industry. It's easier to, to move forward. I'm Jake Bruton with Aero Building, and I want to say thanks to my co-hosts of the Builder uh, Business Roundtable this time around. And I really want to say thanks to our sponsor, Huber Engineered Woods. They're the makers of Zip System and Advantech and ZipR and Zip Tape and the whole system. Uh, and I think that they were a easy partnership for this roundtable discussion because we talk about how all of our systems play well together, how we're focused on energy efficiency and durability and managing our risk long-term. And I can't think of another manufacturer that really encompasses all the same sort of building and business ideas that I have in, a, in an equipment, in a, in a process, in a system that we apply to our homes. So we have to say huge thank you for Huber uh, for sponsoring the Builder Business Roundtable.